I have a question for you. What if he, you know, he, the Lord Most High, the beginning and the end, he, what if he asks you for an hour, for a day, your weekend, your spring break, your summer vacation, for your cell phone, your television, your computer, your Wi-Fi, Hi-Fi, multimedia, web-driven, MP3-playing, high-definition entertainment gaming system. Ten bucks. Your car, your morning cup of coffee, that bowl of ice cream you eat every night. What if he asks for your job, your business you built from the ground up, your financial security, your social life, your social standing, your friends, your spouse, your significant other, your kids, your happy home, your reputation, your need for affirmation, your future, your dreams, your habits. That grudge, those hurts you hold so dear, those regrets that haunt your nights, your desire for control, your mouth, your heart, your passions, the rest of your life. What if he asks? This week, as we begin week one of the Christian Atheist, what I invite you to do these next four weeks, and I encourage you, don't miss a week, because uh, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to make you extremely uncomfortable through this series. It's going to be very uh, painful. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be like a heart surgery. I know this week for myself, as I began to study and prepare and put the notes together, it was probably one of the toughest weeks of self-reflection, looking at my life, looking at myself and really challenging me with some of the material that we're going to look at today on where I'm at in my faith. And I know a lot of times, uh, a, lot of my, a lot of the times I speak here, uh, I really, I like to study, I like to learn, I like to pull out historical truth and facts and, and kind of inside information and things that, that may not other people see. I'm not going to do that necessarily with this series. It's going to be very simple. It's going to be very straightforward. I think one of the dangers sometimes when you get into too much of the education is it makes you feel good because you learned something. You, 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 you found out something you didn't know before about the Bible, but sometimes you miss the application of it. You know, you learn something and so you feel good through the education, but then you walk away and you miss the point of applying it to your life. So this series is going to be very straightforward. It's going to be, it's not going to be flashy. It's just going to be very challenging, very straightforward. And it's going to ask you to take a real hard look of self-reflection at your life, at your faith, where you're at on your journey with God. And whether you're a new Christian or whether you haven't even accepted Christ yet, you're just checking out church or whether, you know, you've been a Christian for many, many years. I think every one of us needs to take a moment of self-reflection and really evaluate where we're at with our faith, where we're at on this journey called 
Christianity. And Paul, you know, talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he goes through a passage of scripture describing uh, the world today. Uh, I think to a T, and I want, I want you to look at this with me as we ask ourselves, how many of these qualities do we see evident in the world today? 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves, check, and their money, check. They will be boastful, check, and proud, check. Scoffing at God, yes, that's true. Disobedient to their parents, check, check. Ungrateful, check. They will consider nothing sacred, absolutely. They will be unloving and unforgiving, yes. They will slander others, yep. They will have no self-control, check. They will be cruel and hate what is good, we see that today. They will betray their friends, check. They will be reckless, check. Puffed up with pride, check. They love pleasure rather than God. Yes, that is true today. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. They act religious, but they reject the power that could make them godly. Godly. What is that saying? It's saying they go to church. They faithfully attend every Sunday. They have a cultural Christianity. They have the name tag Christian, but they lack the power that can absolutely change their lifestyle, their habits, their addictions, the way they live, their personal preferences. They have a, a form of Christianity, but they lack the power of God to change their life. This week, the title of my message is, I believe in God, but I just don't fear Him. I believe in God, but I just don't fear. I believe in God, but I'm still going to do whatever I want to do. I believe in God, but I'm going to live my life however I want to live my life. I want enough of God to get me into heaven. You know, I want enough of God that will keep me out of hell, but I don't want so much of God that will change the way I'm living. I don't want to get enough of God where it makes me change my lifestyle and change my behavior and change my preferences and change my pleasures. I, I want just enough of God to get me into heaven, but I don't want it to spill out on the rest of my life or the rest of the week. At the root of this, I believe in God but I just don't fear him. And that's what a Christian atheist looks like. If you're following along with your notes, the first fill in the blank sec, Christian atheist, someone who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. Somebody who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. And I guarantee you that if you will open your heart to the Holy Spirit this morning and this month, this series will radically change your life. This will radically alter the way you view your faith. This week, I believe in God, but I just don't fear Him. Next week, we're going to talk about, I believe in God, but I don't want to go overboard. 
I mean, how many of you understand? I don't want to go over, I don't want to get carried away with this Christian thing. You know, I, I, I believe in God, but I just want to keep it to Sunday. I don't really want to go overboard in my faith. I don't want to be one of those fanatics. Week three, we're talking about, I believe in God, but I trust in money. Week four, I believe in God, but I just don't know him. But today I believe in God, but I don't fear him. And that's the reality, unfortunately, where many of us live today. I believe in God, but I just don't fear him. You know what one of my favorite things in Las Vegas is? I know a lot of people love Las Vegas because they love the gambling and they love the shows and they love all of that. I love the buffets. I mean, I am a fanatic for Las Vegas buffets. There is nothing like a Las Vegas buffet. You go off the strip, you can get two ninety nine all you can eat buffet. How I many know that's not the buffet you want to go to? You're going to be sick if you go to that buffet. But I love the buffets because when you go to a Las Vegas buffet, you can get whatever you want. And guess what? You don't have to get anything you don't want. You can go down the line and you can skip the vegetables and skip the salads. And you can go right to bacon and eggs and steak and tacos and pizza. And you can get as much as you want. And you can pick and choose. I'll have some of this. Give me the fish. Not half the fish. Give me the whole fish. It's a buffet. I want the whole fish. Put it on my plate. I don't want any of that, but I want this. And then the desserts. I'm telling you, you have never experienced life until you've been to a dessert buffet in Las Vegas. They have everything you get. You get strawberry shortcake. If you're godly, you'll get the banana pudding with the Nilla wafers. If you're really close to God, you'll get the carrot cake. I mean, I mean, if you, I mean, it, it is amazing. If you're if you're away from God, you'll choose the tapioca pudding. I don't know who created tapioca pudding, but that just wasn't right. And even worse, whoever invented green jello with rice, they will stand before God in the worst sort of way one day. Green jello and rice, that is not a dessert. That is not a, oh. Buffet, Las Vegas buffet. And you know what? Unfortunately, many of us live a buffet-style Christianity. We pick and choose the parts of the Bible that feel good to us. We pick and choose the parts of the Bible that kind of fit in with our preferences and fit in with our desires and fit in with our pleasures. And then we just skip right over the parts that don't really, you know, the, 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 the parts that we don't like, the parts that, you know, I want a double portion of God's grace. I love God's grace, but don't give me any discipline. I want some of that prosperity there where God's going to give me good health and, and prosper me. But don't ask me to be generous. I, I want God's love over here. Give me, give me two scoops of God's love, but don't give me any of the hard work or going the extra mile or having to actually sacrifice my personal desires or preferences. We pick and choose what we like. Buffet-style Christianity. I believe in God, but I just don't fear Him. I believe in God, but I'm going to live my life however I want to live my life. Listen to this. Psalm chapter 36, verses 1 and 2. I think this says it so perfectly. Psalm 36, verse 1. Sin whispers to the wicked. Deep within their hearts, they have no fear of God at all. In the Amplified, it says no fear of God at all to restrain them. They have no fear that restrains them. Verse number 2. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. 
In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really Sin whispers to the wicked. What does it say? What does sin say? Maybe it says, go ahead and do it. Do whatever you want to do. Live however you want. God will understand. You deserve it. Live it up. Take that pleasure. Do what you want to do. God will forgive you. It doesn't matter. You only live once. Live it up. Do what you want to do. What does sin say? Sin whispers to the wicked. I'm so glad that's not talking about us. I'm so glad that's not talking about you. This can't be talking about us, could it? But what if this verse is talking to us? What if this verse is talking to us right here this morning? And I know we don't like to see ourselves as the wicked. We're not the wicked. The wicked are those guys down the street. I, I know what the wicked are. I've seen the. We're not the wicked. I've seen what the wicked look like. That's, that's not us, is it? Well, the Bible says there's no one righteous. That we're all wicked. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. So let me ask you this morning, what if, what if this is speaking to us? What if in our blind conceit, what if in our blindness that we can't see how wicked we really are? What if there is no fear of God to restrain us? What what if, like many people in the world today, we believe in God, but we don't really fear Him? See, some of you are thinking right now, man, I picked the wrong week to come to church. Couldn't I come on the love of God week? I mean, this is hellfire brimstone. I mean, you're telling me I need to fear God? You're telling me that God is like this this cosmic cop just waiting for me to mess up, waiting to bust me and send me to jail and send me to hell for all eternity where the worm never dies and there's weeping and gnash? You're telling me to fear God? And I know some of you right now, you're having flashbacks of childhood from from some adult that said, I'm going to put the fear of God in you. But see, you're completely missing what the fear of God is. The word, the, the fear of God is not afraid of God. Afraid of God and fear of God are two separate things. God does not want you to be afraid of Him. God wants you to fear Him. It is a reverent awe. It is looking at how awesome and holy and amazing His. The fear of God is to be completely overcome by God's goodness. Completely overcome by His love and His awesomeness and His amazingness. In fact, in the Old Testament, when you study out the fear of God, it's the same thing in the New Testament as being Spirit-filled. See, when the New Testament talks about living by the Spirit or being Spirit-filled, it's the same thing as the Old Testament talking about fearing God. Why? Because to fear God means you are overcome by God. Well, what does it mean to be Spirit-filled? It means to be overcome by God. It means the same thing. It is a reverent awe. It is sitting back, understanding how absolutely amazing and loving and awesome and holy and incredible this God is. That the God who created the universe, the God that hung every star individually in the sky, wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. 
He wants to be your friend. He wants to love you. He wants to help you. That's incredible. That's amazing. See, kids have an incredible sense of amazement. I think kids get God better than anybody. I was, I was wrestling with my son the other day, and, and he looks at me. He's like, I'm going to make you die. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, Asher, that's not a good word. I said, I said, that's not good. And he looks at me, and he goes, confused, and says, but Dad, didn't Jesus die? He just, like, gets it. We were talking the other day, and, and he was talking, you know, we, I always tell him that Jesus lives inside of you. And the other day we were playing, he goes, I wish Jesus would come out of my tummy so he could play with me. I mean, they just get things so, so differently. I, I remember a story of a, a little girl in Texas during a thunderstorm. Every time the lightning would flash, she would run to the window and smile. And she kept doing this over and over. And her mom was like, what are you doing? Because every time the lightning would flash outside, she'd run to the window and smile. And she says, I think God's trying to take a picture of me. <laughs> See, kids get the amazingness of God. Kids get the wow factor. This God is so awesome and so loving and so holy and so wonderful and so incredible. And he wants to know me. You ever been around somebody where where the closer you get to the person, the better it is? Like the more you get to know him, the more amazing they are as a person. Never met somebody like, see, it just gets better and better. See, the more you get to know God, the more you get to see God's character and God's nature and God's goodness, the better it gets. The closer you get to Him, the more in awe you become. And when you begin to realize that this awesome God loves you, you have this holy fear that comes over you where you want to do what He wants. You don't have this religious fear or this religious afraid of God where you're afraid if you don't do right, he's going to punish you and strike you down. You have this holy fear that you want to please him. You want to serve him. You want to love him. Not because you have to, but because you love him and you desire to. A holy sense of fear that says, I want to obey you. I want to serve you. Let me say it like this this morning. If you do not fear God, and many people here today just don't, it is simply because you don't know him very well. Let that sink in for a moment. If you do not fear God, it is simply because many of you just don't know him that well. You believe in him, but the Bible says even the demons believed in God. See, believing in God is not enough. How many of you have ever watched the Grammy Awards? Guy just wins a Grammy for singing a song about sex and killing and drugs, and he says, I thank God for giving me the ability to write this song. I mean, let's be real honest. There are a lot of people who believe in God, but just don't fear him. People who believe in God but say, I'm still going to do whatever it is I want to do. I'm going to live however it is I want to live. What is Christian atheism? Believing in God without fearing Him. And it's because people simply don't know Him. 
Now, let's talk about two things that will happen in your life. As you begin to know God, as you get close to God, as you encounter the presence of God, and you begin to understand what it means to fear God in the best sense, not be afraid of God, but when you begin to get in His presence and you begin to fear Him, two things begin to take place in your life. And I want to talk about those this morning. What happens when you truly fear God? Number one, if you're following in your notes, you'll serve Him wholeheartedly. Without any conditions. You'll serve him wholeheartedly without any conditions. And let's be honest. Let's be real honest. The truth is most everyone has conditions. That's the truth. Most everyone has conditions. I'll serve God, but I'm not going to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. Man, this is 2012. What are you trying to ask of me? You know, I'll serve God, but, but there's no way you're going to get me to tithe. 10%? I mean, come on. I mean, that's just unrealistic. I'll serve God, but I'm going to look at whatever I want to look at. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch whatever I want to watch. You know, I'll serve God, but, but don't ask Him to interfere with this part of my life. You know, I'll serve God, but I'm going to take His name in vain every once in a while. I mean, come on, a guy's just got to say what a guy's got to say. You know, I'll serve God, but I'm not going to Africa. Don't ask me to go. Don't ask me to give up everything and go be a missionary. So I'll serve God, but I've got conditions. I've got limits. I, I'm not going to go to the extreme for you. I'll serve God, but don't expect me to volunteer and serve. I mean, that's my time. That's my personal time. That's my freedom. Don't, don't, don't infringe on my personal liberties. I'll serve God, but I've got conditions. I've got conditions. I mean, don't ask me to, to go beyond my... I've got conditions here. I love that video in the beginning. What if he asked? What if he asked? Is there anything in your life this morning that you couldn't give up if he asked? And I think of a young mom in our church... She's married to a Marine. He's on deployment. Two young kids. And, you know, they don't get paid a whole lot of money. And so there's many months where it's a struggle financially to get through the month. And she wrote me a letter recently and talked about how being at Coastline has really helped her encounter God and get to know God in a way that she's never known Him. And really what she's saying is she's learned how to fear God. And she began to write how... When she first heard the message of tithing, it was like, there, there's just no way. I mean, if you look at our finances, there's no way. I mean, we, we can barely get through the month the way it is. And, and, and you're asking 10%, we will not make it through the month. But as she got to know God, she realized she had to serve Him without conditions. So she said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't know what's going to happen. It's scary. It's a step of faith, but I'll do it. And she wrote to me, she said, the last few months since I've started tithing, you cannot imagine the miracles that have been taking place, how God has provided, how God has taken care of us. We haven't had to struggle. It's just not been the same. And then she came to me the other day, so excited. Is that chastity? She's the young mom right there. She came to me the other day and and, uh, she said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. There was this stroller I wanted, and I know I didn't need it. We couldn't afford it. It was just a desire of my heart. The, you know, our budget was like $100, and this stroller was like $600. And I just knew that, that, that it, you know, it, it's just unrealistic, but I just really wanted it. 
She goes, well, I got on Craigslist and I found a lady selling the stroller that I wanted. Only used it twice. It was brand new and it was selling it for what our budget was. Not only is God taking care of our needs, but he's giving me the desires of my heart. And I thought, how awesome is it to serve a God that is so personal would help a young mom get the stroller she desired. That's a personal God. That's a God that wants to be your friend, that wants to be personal with you, that wants to know you. We're not talking about this, this faraway being that's waiting to strike you down every time you mess up. We're talking about fearing a God that loves you, that wants to be personal, that wants to bless you, that wants to know you, that wants to help you, serving Him without conditions. See, when you truly fear Him, you will obey Him without any conditions. See, when you get to know how good he is, you'll obey him without any conditions. There's an amazing Bible story in Genesis 22 about a father that was asked to literally sacrifice the life of his son. Now, let's be real honest. That ain't going to happen today. I mean, I mean, let's just be real honest this morning. If God asks anyone, that, that just isn't, now God, you've crossed the line. God, I'll give you this, but God, you have now crossed, I mean, including myself. I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, my own son, I mean, come on, God. I mean, you're asking a little too much. And this young man, Abraham, actually it wasn't a young man, he was an older man was willing to take his only son, obey God, and sacrifice him. And God stopped him. And fortunately, since Christ, God would never ask something like that of today. But the principle, what if he did? What if he did? Would you be willing to give God everything? Would you be willing... To not hold anything back. Genesis 22. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. Now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Let me explain this. The greatest visible evidence of the fear of God is obedience to God. The greatest visible evidence, the the, the number one predictor of whether or not you've experienced the presence of God, whether or not you truly fear God, is your obedience to God. Will you serve Him without any conditions? That's what the fear of God is all about. But see, we have a generation of these cultural Christians where, where, where being a Christian is like being a part of a country club or living in a certain neighborhood. It's not, it's not a faith of the heart. It, it, it's just a club that you join of these false converts that we practice this buffet-style Christianity where we pick and choose the parts of the Bible we want to believe, the parts that are easy, the parts that, that fit into our lifestyle, but we don't really fear Him. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, Obey my commandments. Serve him without any conditions. You know, let's just talk a little bit about, about what drives people to God. Let's, let's be, if we look at our world today, we look at, look at where we live today, we live in a very consumeristic mindset of people. You know, we live, what's in it for me? What's the value? What can I, what am I going to get back in return? 
And so we have many people today that say, God, if you can fix my life, then I'll give you a chance. God, if you can make it better, then perhaps I will serve you. God, if you can help my marriage, then I'll give you uh, some time. God, if you can help my finances, then I'll give a little bit back to you. God, if you can do this for me, then, then I might be benevolent enough to serve you. God, fix my life. God, help my grandmother. Grab, help my football team, which is one of the funniest prayers. I mean, have you ever found yourself praying for your favorite sports team? I did the other day watching uh, the U.S. versus Brazil. I'm sitting here praying that we'll come back and win this game. And I know there's people in Brazil praying that they'll win. And God's up in heaven saying, who do I choose? God, if you fix my life and if you make it better, then I might be benevolent enough to give you something back in return. I mean, let's be honest. Is that not where most people live today? See, the reality is when when you really encounter God, when you really get to know God, when you really learn how to fear God, instead of fixing your life, God oftentimes will ruin your life in the best sort of way. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you truly fear God, number two, you'll be forever ruined. You'll be forever ruined. You'll never be the same. When you encounter God, when you get into the presence of God, you will leave differently. You will not be the same. He will ruin your values. He will ruin your preferences. He will ruin the way you think. He will ruin you in the best sort of way. Everything you thought was important will no longer be important. Everything you valued will begin to change. See, when you really encounter God, He ruins you in the best sort sort of way. Look at Isaiah chapter 6 with me. Isaiah chapter 6, we see a, a, a young prophet who encounters the presence of God and is completely ruined. Isaiah 6 and verse 1 says, it was in the year King Uzziah died. Now let me explain what that means. King Uzziah was an incredible king. He was a godly king. He built an incredible army that protected the people. And there was, there was nations all around them crumbling and falling apart. And the whole world seemed to be in turmoil. And the one thing ho- holding Israel together was King Uzziah. So when he died, the whole world began to fall apart. Their society began to decay and crumble. Uh, A better translation for us to get today is in the year the guy got elected, you didn't want to get elected. In the year you thought your country was falling apart and coming undone and and everything was, was going down the drain, that's what it's saying here. In the year King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and a train of his robe filled the temple. Attending to him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew, and they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. What's happening? Isaiah saw God. Isaiah got in the presence of God. He was there. He was in the room with God in his presence. He saw God and his life was ruined. He would never be the same. Again, look at verse five. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed. 
What is he saying? He said, I'm ruined. I'll never be the same again. It's all over. Everything I believed, everything I valued, everything I held dear, it's all over. I'm doomed. I'm ruined for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Isaiah saying, listen, I'll never be the same. I have encountered God. I have been in his presence. It's all over. I'll never live the same again. My behavior is going to change. My lifestyle, my preferences, it's all over. I'm doomed. I'm ruined. And then in verse 8, it says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Notice how Isaiah doesn't say, well, well, tell me about the pension plan, Lord. Tell me about the salary. Tell me what the pay is going to be like. What, what are the benefits? I, I need to know a little before I commit to doing this. You know, let me check my schedule, God. Let me, let, let me see what I have going on. Before I commit, God, I, I need to see what's going on in my life. No, what did Isaiah do? He said, pick me, pick me, pick me, take me. I'll do it, whatever it is. You don't even have to, I don't even need to know the details. God, pick me, I'll go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Why? Because his life was ruined. It'd never be the same. He encountered the presence of God and he would never leave the same again. You know, my fear as your pastor is that there's many people today that have not been ruined yet. That's one of my fears. There's many people sitting here today who you have not allowed God to ruin your life in the best sort of way, to ruin your values, to ruin the way you think, to ruin your lifestyle. And you know what keeps me up at night is the reality that on some level, To some extent, I'm going to be accountable for you as your pastor. On some level, I'm going to be accountable for you. You know, and you can't experience God. You can't get in God's presence. You can't get an encounter with God without fearing Him that ruins you to the point of obedience without any conditions. That brings you to a point where you'll never be the same again. And I'm so afraid that we have Christian atheists who believe in God, but they live as if He doesn't exist. They believe in God, but they just don't fear Him. And when I look around in the world today, I don't see people becoming more obedient to God. I see people becoming more disobedient to Him. I see a society, I see a government, I see a a, a nation becoming more and more disobedient to God. And yet the Gallup poll says nine out of ten Americans believe in God. But they just don't fear Him. They just don't fear Him. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning? Before we go any further, 
with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want you to take a long, hard look at yourself. I want you to take a moment and truly reflect. Do you have conditions on your faith? Do you fear God to the point that you would do anything without conditions? Have you been ruined in the best sort of way? Do you fear him to the point that you know his love, that you know his grace, that you know how awesome he is and how personal he is and how much he wants to know you and love you and bless you? Do you fear him like that to the point where you experience his goodness to such a degree that you just want to abandon all for him? You just want to surrender to serve him because you know he is so good and so awesome. Have you been ruined? before we close, first, I want to ask anybody that is here this morning that has never made a decision to put God first in your life. You know, the first step to fearing God is and knowing him is to accept his son, Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior, to be what we call a Christian, a Christ follower. To be what, what we say as Christians, born again, born of the spirit. You were all born of the flesh, natural birth. Now we want you to have a supernatural birth, a birth in the spirit by accepting Jesus Christ. So let me ask if there's anyone here today who if you took an honest look at yourself, God is not first in your life. You are not following Christ. He's not first. He's not number one. And you honestly today don't know the condition of your soul. If a tragic accident occurred and you stood before God, you really don't know where you would spend eternity. You're not confident. You're not convinced. I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision today where you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are right with God. God has already chosen you. God has chosen everyone. But the only people that receive his salvation are the ones that choose him back. So I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to choose God, to put him first, to make a decision for him today. If that's you with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to say a prayer for you. Would you raise your hand right now? Raise your hand. Thank you. 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 All over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. What I want to do now is lead you in a very simple prayer of putting God first. The first part of the prayer is I want you to give God an invitation to be first in your life. So right now, in your own words to yourself, I want you to invite God to take first place in your life. Invite God to be your Lord and your Savior right now in your own words. The second part of that prayer is I want you to ask God to forgive you. We have all messed up. We have all made mistakes. We are all in need of his grace. So in your own words, in your own way, ask God to forgive you. You know what for. Ask him to forgive you right now. And then lastly, I just want you to say thank you. It's as simple as that. God gave his son so that you could have this opportunity, this moment. So right now, just say, thank you. Thank you. 